0: EN Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Market action, a lot of negativity that we saw uh, today in the markets. Add to it uh, all the influences we're seeing, whether it's from weather, um, ethanol margins, crop production, where we're at. uh, Just a lot of factors. We're going to look at all of that and a lot more today. Sam Hudson joins us. He is with Corn Belt Marketing. and I love when I get to talk to Sam because we get kind of a view of what's happening in the eastern Corn Belt. And Sam, as you look at the crops there, you kind of of um, alluded at the start of our conversation before we started the program is things are looking pretty good in your neck of the woods.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, if there's a, if there's been a few good states, it's definitely been Illinois, uh, most of the eastern half of Iowa is in pretty good shape too, and really the bulk of Iowa, uh, southern Minnesota, some of these areas that were late planting uh, have had good weather ever since, and so at this point uh, really a little bit of heat in the equation doesn't, doesn't really hurt, but uh, you know, you get into southern Missouri, Kansas, and things have just been pretty dire from a drought standpoint, and uh, you know, impacting not only cropland, but just pasture and rangeland conditions, something to consider as well too, as we talk about feed costs for for the cattle side of things
0: well looking at that and obviously um you mentioned the the dryness that we're seeing in areas of nebraska kansas even into the dakotas having said that i was reading yesterday where somebody said nebraska is going to be pretty pivotal when it comes to those numbers usually we put all the pressure on iowa but this year harvest numbers they say the pressure is going to be on nebraska
1: yeah and it's going to be tough for the state of nebraska in general to really toe the line because you had so much storm damage early on uh a lot of replant acres and since then it's been dry and some of those acres uh you know where pivots were destroyed some of that infrastructure hasn't fully been fixed either ahead of this heat wave and so if you have late planted crops um, or even early planting crops for that matter that have gone through some storm damage and then go through a heat spell without any rain, uh, definitely, you know, creates some problems. So uh, the ability for that seed to recover and, and, and really pull up a national average is going to be kind of tough. Uh, and it's going to put more pressure on states like, like, uh, we talked about Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, uh, even parts of Wisconsin have had pretty good weather here. And if you start to turn, uh, the dial back on some of those states, then it becomes a much, uh, you know, more acute talking point in terms of what sentiment looks like going to this August report and what could be possible from a yield reduction standpoint and, and the pace of those.
0: So, so having said that, as you look at everything in, in the bigger scheme of pictures, uh, basis wise, how is that being factored in right now?
1: Well, the market's, you know, inversions are made to be taken out. We're, we're bridging the gap between old and new. Uh, you know, seasonally, we're not seeing much export demand. That's pretty typical, though. Uh, you know, I think the one thing we have to take note of, though, is we are behind on export inspections for corn. Uh, haven't really seen a whole lot of sales for the past month. We thought we saw one, you know, to China here last Friday, and it was canceled just a few hours later. And so without that fodder, uh, there's no expectation that USDA is going to be running away in terms of, you know, raising demand estimates. They cut at $300 million back in May. Uh, we haven't seen anything to really change the trend there. And so what you're left with is a really supply-led market. Uh, and I think our action has been, you know, largely dictated by that and reflects that when you see a macro meltdown, uh, you know, weather kind of takes the backseat and then you see, you know, a few rains here and there and, and, you know, the realization that maybe, you know, fear is always worse than reality. Uh, and, and so the problem we're in now is what, what took, you know, a month or month and a half to take off could take three or four or five months to really build back up if you've got to wait for that demand to coil uh, and get into a U.S. harvest. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it leads, it paves the way for the potential for a harvest rally if we do have to come backward in those yields in the next two or three weeks weather could dictate that
0: can we blame the dollar on some of this lack of export opportunities
1: to a certain degree yes i mean you know keep in mind uh south american crops you know we saw i think we've seen the last of those cuts in terms of their production cuts that we've seen a lot of and baked that into the market and they're still getting rid of the last of what they have from harvest inventory so when you look at the fact that we're going to be competitive with them now uh, and once again a coming up in february uh, it'll be a bigger issue then i think uh as they get another harvest under the belt they're only gonna have so much to ship here now uh, we're gonna become the main game in town at harvest no matter what uh, but our port premiums are gonna have to reflect that so uh, it may be until you know late september october before we see more of that export demand show up and maybe that's what helps facilitates rally as we get into the end of the year uh, depending on what you know economics and and uh, you know sentiment looks like around the world
0: and that export picture is not just for corn you're looking at soybeans as well
1: soybeans and really wheat uh because quite honestly the biggest kicker uh you know as we go into next year we talked about you know value of the dollar if you get a high dollar and high commodity prices south american farmers are going to plant a lot of acres um you know this situation in ukraine still speaks to the need for potential for for wheat acres around the world though and if you have a need you know to to find you know two or three million acres of wheat in the u.s that has to be taken away from corn and beans and so uh you know that that could create a bit of an acreage rally as you get into next spring. uh, But we really just have not figured out exactly what the world's going to have to do here as we go into next year. But I will tell you this area in in Ukraine, in that Black Sea region, probably isn't going to be up year over year. uh, And there's just been all kinds of bottlenecks in terms of getting grain out of there without a sustainable port activity.
0: And of course, a lot of chatter about winter wheat, if they're going to even be able to get it in the ground, considering everything that's still continuing.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. And, and you had some area over there that's just been, you know, riddled with uh, with bombs and stuff, too. And granted, that's probably not the lion's share of production acres, but that is going to be a factor in some places. Um, you know, but on top of it, you know, the cost of getting stuff out of there, if it's not on a boat, on a sustainable port activity, um, you know, it just becomes not worth it. You know, if you have to risk life and limb to put a crop in and harvest it just to not really be able to sell it for a profit. Uh, you're not going to see people really you know, jumping up and down to do that.
0: So having said that, can the rest of the world pick up that slack? And, and does it continue to bring more of that food insecurity fear into the picture?
1: Well, I, I believe so, because you're still going to have a trickle effect out of that region. You're still going to be able to get something out um, on a very slow basis. I think the uh, you know the, the added impact of another production issue uh, say in Australia or something like that in this next cycle, I think would add, you know, a lot of problems uh, for the world because we're, we're figuring out how to fill the holes now. We're not running out now, but you know, this problem is going to start to stack up and become a bigger issue as we get, you know, 6, uh, 12, even 18 months down the road here.
0: All right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we come back with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll take a flip side and look what's happening on the livestock as well as we wrap up the grains. More is coming up. It is the Tuesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here
1: on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we hear a lot from our customers and dealers that we have a family feel to our organization. Just ask Doug Bartek, a Fontenelle dealer at Wahoo, Nebraska. I feel Fontenelle is very family-oriented. They care a great deal about their customers and provide updates on what could be occurring out in the field and what to watch out for. I feel fortunate to work with a great group of people to provide a quality product. For more on being part of the Fontenelle family, just go to fontenelle.com. Always read and follow Grain Marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label to our
0: welcome back to the Fontanel final bell here on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield we're continuing our conversation this afternoon with sam hudson sam of course with corn belt marketing and uh, curious with everything that's been going on in the world even though gas prices are starting to back off a little bit how are ethanol margins doing especially when some folks are kind of tweaking back their their driving demand
1: uh, they've been pretty good right? i think anytime you have a you fuel prices, there's always going to be an avenue uh, for demand for ethanol, and I think that's going to continue until you can really uh, you know, break the price of to fuel down on, from a sustainable standpoint. I don't think we're really at that point yet. Um, and, and that being said, you have these processors continuing to chase the market, they Uh, And even June, because of the way the production season, uh, you know, panned out and the way the custom truck market was pretty thin. Uh, And now they've kind of caught up on some of those deliveries, uh, you know, as we get through July and and everyone kind of catches up. And as we said, we've taken some of those inversions out of the market. That's made it a little bit cheaper for them to buy corn. Um, And and like I said, they still have those margins that are locked in. I think the thing you can expect this time of year is a, a bit of a slowdown, whether there's a little bit of maintenance at hand or just a general kind of a waiting for harvest kind of posture. You know, a lot of these domestic users are are just going to kind of go, you know, hand to mouth once they feel like they've got enough bought up to to bridge that gap. So we'll know a lot more about that as we get into, you know, the back half of August. We'll have a good idea on, you know, when stuff's going to be ready and and from a maturity standpoint, if there's going to be, you know, a good amount of harvest, uh, you know, in early September, if we're going to have to wait uh, until closer to the end of the month.
0: Negative prices that we've seen over the last couple of days, can we get a turnaround going into tonight's overnight trade into the day trade of Wednesday?
1: Yeah, hopeful. you know, kind of a turnaround Tuesday. Today you had crude oil back down this morning, pretty hard to start the day off. It didn't, uh you know, offer any favors. And then as we went through the day, it seemed like there's a little bit more confidence that this forecast maybe isn't quite as bad as, as you know, the fear and the hype, uh, you know, led it on to believe. And so we'll see if we can base in here. It'd be nice to see this December corn, you know, take back the $6 mark and maybe get up into a range, you know, and, and potentially, you know, Trend up to 650 uh, but we're going to have to have some help from the weather. We've continued to see open interest uh, decline in this market, and you've got to have a reason for that interest to come back in on the long side. Uh, soybeans are no different. Uh, We'd we'll be hopeful that we can take back that $14 strike price and, and maybe, you know, kind of gravitate towards that. But keep in mind that acreage resurvey, you know, they could find some acres in August here, uh, and there's not going to be a, a whole lot of fodder for a big yield adjustment, particularly on beans from USDA in an August report.
0: So, flipping the page and heading over to the livestock side, feeder cattle, they sure turned around around and pushed to some higher numbers today
1: yeah I got off to gap gap higher start today and you know the- go back to the reference on the pasture and rangeland conditions with them being so poor, you're going to continue to see kind of a a very tight correlation and knee-jerk reaction between feed costs uh, and what feeder cattle are doing, especially when those back-month live cattle are kind of holding up now. Uh, We've even got the October contract over 140 and are hopeful that the August contract can trade that, Uh, but I think we're going to have to wait maybe another month But you know, as we go into delivery uh, of that contract to really see something like that happen because the cash markets just really aren't lighting it up. Um, I would say on those feeders that we've continued to see a very enthusiastic The cash market really over the last several months, Uh, and I think with this herd liquidation, you're going to continue to see some upward pressure in that market. Uh, If you get any sustained break in this corn as we go into harvest, that could pave the way to get up, uh, you know, uh, even to the 190 level. So I think you got to keep an eye on that. If we get uh, you know corn back over six and can hold over there, uh, then we may not be able to get much above 180 for the short term. So uh, give me a lot of fireworks and a lot of back and forth here. Uh, Been a lot of short interest in that market. So to see the rise here, uh, I think is uh, you know probably good for the producer side of things in terms of getting an opportunity to hedge at some pretty good levels.
0: When it comes to that herd liquidation, it has not slowed down at all. And unfortunately, we're losing a lot of genetics Mm -hmm. in it. But we're also getting a lot of cattle coming to market that makes folks wonder, what's going to go into the feedlots uh, come fall and into the winter months?
1: Well, that and how much have to be, you know, taken off the of grass because it doesn't exist. I mean, mm-hmm. all these things are, are flying in the, mm-hmm. around in the air. And in the meantime, there's still also the concern about what demand does in the meantime. It's almost like a race between, you know, how fast can you liquidate it versus how fast can we rack demand. Uh, from an inflationary standpoint out here, you look at, you know, what people are paying to you know, drive their car and just the grocery bills in general. It doesn't. bode real well I guess long term but it's just not sustainable and so uh, where we see that peak is going to be interesting I think it could get tougher as we get into uh, especially the first quarter next year you get to you know past the holidays and people are running on fumes by then and things haven't really improved uh, definitely going to be something that's going to grab more of a talking point
0: for the hogs kind of what are your thoughts I mean it, it was a struggle today but do they have some pressure and concerns with some heavier supplies
1: a little bit, but our export market's been really strong. Um, and, you know, I think a little bit of concern for this heat too. You know, a lot of, a lot of hogs in Iowa could be stressed a little bit, but it looks like that dome is going to stay further to the west. Uh, when you look at the lean hog index, things have been pretty strong. Uh, it, thing i notice is that uh, august october spread seems a little bit rich we'll see if you know as time goes on we can actually break that spread a little bit and, and get a little more enthusiasm in that october contract but once again similar narrative to the live cattle you know it's always a concern about what demand is going to look like uh, you know around the corner here
0: all right what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you sam
1: 800 655 or www www.cornbeltmarketing.com
0: and of course don't forget to follow him on twitter as well just a reminder folks commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors that is today's Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle hybrids and all their local dealers that's the Fontenelle final bell right here on the rural radio network